Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Two Cyber Chicks podcast. You're about to join Erica and Jax for an inclusive cybersecurity conversation designed to educate and break the stereotypes of cybersecurity professionals while providing life hacks on how to handle burnout, networking, and goal setting. Knowledge is power. Now, more than ever. Welcome back to our show. We are really excited and thrilled to have our guests on the show today. Today, we are going to be joined by Jessica Bishop, who has a wealth of experience in cybersecurity. Jessica started her career as a military police officer and a police investigator, and then worked as a bids and contract manager. She is also proficient in a variety of programming languages and security tools. She broke into the industry, which I'm really excited we're going to be talking today with her about how she broke in, but she broke into the industry as a SOC analyst. And today we're going to be chatting with her about some of those challenges of breaking into that industry and what it looked like, as well as some of the cybersecurity trends that she is seeing. So without further ado, Erica, are you ready? Let's get her on the show. Let's do it. Woohoo! Welcome, Good. Jess. <laughs> Jess, I'm we're so excited to have you. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. This is exciting. It's awesome. I've been wanting to have you on the show for a while, so we're so thrilled to have you on today. But before we jump into all of the questions that we have lined up for you, can you take a couple minutes and just tell the community a little bit about your background? Yeah, I mean, you did a great job kind of explaining my, my intro into who I was, you know, military investigations, corporate world, and into cybersecurity. I am not very proficient anymore at programming languages because I'm just out of practice, but you, you all know how that goes. <laughs> totally get I, it. Um, yeah, I started my journey into the industry in 2020. It was one of those, I think everybody had those realizations in 2020. They're like, I'm going to do something different. I can't do this anymore. And I'm like, cybersecurity, I'm going to do that. <laughs> and, uh, started that journey. And uh, yeah, it, it's been a challenge. <laughs> it is a challenge. It's such a challenging field. But I will say, Jess, I got to give you props because you, my dear, you stayed at it and you networked your tail off. And I will say it paid off. Jax and I both loved following your journey. Um, we're so excited, you know, the, the, to see where you are today and to continue to follow your journey and all that you're going to accomplish. So, I mean, this is amazing for me, you know, having had conversations with you early on about, you know, where, where you were currently, what you were doing to get ahead, to position yourself. Um, and honestly, just to see all that you've accomplished is just wonderful. So I gotta, I gotta give you props before we dive any further. Um, I just think it's absolutely incredible what you've been able to accomplish. So, uh, without further ado, you know, let's just jump into your early years. Like you spent yeah. them in law enforcement. You secured the physical world, right? So security still nonetheless. Then yep. cybersecurity now we're focusing on the digital landscape. So how do you think that your background, let's just say insecurity um, overall, really impacted um, your career uh, progression, but also you and shaped you as a professional 
having gone with, um, you know, security, but through a different lens, did that support your transition? I just want to kind of hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. You know, when I first got out of the military, I was like, I'm not having anything to do with security, whatever, you know, I'm done with this. Um, but I got to missing it. You know, there's just something about helping people. And for me, a lot of the corporate jobs seemed a little silly for me. I mean, in a way, not, not, not the businesses themselves. I mean, everybody provides good services, products, whatever they're doing, but what people would consider an emergency. I was like, nobody's bleeding nobody's on fire you know everybody's okay there what emergency is this oh no we're five minutes late with the report you know <laughs> so you know kind of navigating the corporate world after the military it brought me back to security because i enjoy helping people and i enjoy making a difference even it's if it's for one sysadmin i mean that's worth it to me um and security, no matter what field, is kind of a thankless job, you know, and that's okay um, because we know what the repercussions are without it, and and we've I'm, I'm okay with that, you know. But the whole transition really helped me because security is still security, whether it's physical or digital, and both of those are hitting each other so much right now. I, I think it's getting harder and harder to separate the two, really. And if you try to just secure physical, there's a digital portion you're going to miss out. And if you just secure, secure digital, there's a physical portion you're going to miss out on. So, and then the corporate side helped me with that transition because it helped me navigate, you know, with the bids and proposals and contracts. It helped me navigate through all levels of an organization and figuring out what's important to different levels and how to talk to different people at different levels. And really all of it has been such a help. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you took a lot of the soft skills that you learned to you in the military and you transferred it over into what you're doing now. And it is, I think that you did a, an amazing job in providing that perspective of you've got physical security and you've got cybersecurity, but ultimately it's security and you need all of it. Like you can't have mm -hmm a really good like server, for example, because any servers I went into in Las Vegas, they have the, um, what's the server center that's out in Las the Vegas? The data center. The huge data center. I got yeah, to tour yeah. that. And they have like bulletproof glass, like guys with uh, full automatic weapons. Yeah, a whole, a whole deal. Right. And that was like my first experience, but it's because that's valuable data, that's valuable information. And if you don't have the physical security, how are you gonna protect the cybersecurity? So exactly. It just, you can't separate it anymore. You just can't. <laughs> no, not at all. It's, it's all, it's a uh, layered security. So, uh, okay. So you mentioned that, or Erica mentioned this, like watching your journey, you have an awesome yeah. journey. You're really active on LinkedIn. I think we met through another cybersecurity community, which is awesome. And it's, it, you were in a community trying to break in and you oh, were yeah. really like, and you actually broke into the industry because you met somebody in the community who helped you get land the job that you have now. But you definitely had your challenges. And I can imagine you were probably even questioning, is this the right field for me? Or maybe just like questioning, um, am I going to be able to get a job in this field? I know a lot of people question that. So from your perspective, what were some of the challenges, some of the biggest challenges that you face in your career journey into the cybersecurity field? And then 
um, out of those challenges, what did you do to keep yourself on that course to land that job? Yeah. Um, so coming from the military, when you're in the military and you want to learn a skill, you go to a class or a school, learn the skill and do the job. I did not realize that's not how the civilian world works. <laughs> um, so when I started my journey, I was like, what do I do? Like, how do I do this? I didn't know. So I was like, well, where can I figure this out? I'll just ask somebody. So I got on LinkedIn and I was like, okay, security analyst near me. <laughs> and there was a CEO who, who, or a CIO who lives closer to me. And I was like, this person looks nice. I'm going to hit her up. So I just messaged her and I'm so glad she was willing to take the time and kind of walk through things with me. And from there, I'm like, okay, so networking seems to be part of this, but I still didn't really yeah. get networking. Um, I was kind of afraid of it because, <laughs> you know, I, I just, it wasn't something I was familiar with or comfortable with. Um, so around probably eight months later, you know, I'd watched some webcasts. I'd, I'd, I'd kind of chimed in on some webinars and maybe made a few comments here or there on LinkedIn. But uh, Gerald Osier was actually the first person I was brave enough to talk to uh, within the community. And I was like, hey, I liked your video on this. Can you tell me more about this? And he was actually the one that introduced me to you, Jax, because it was a very military to security specific question. And that's when you were like, no, no, you got to think about it less physical and more digital, which was true because I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to think about that. I didn't, I don't have the tech background. So for me, I was like, okay, well, I got to start thinking about this differently. Um, so that, you know, networking was probably my biggest first challenge to get over. Um, yeah, yeah. The second one was actually um, the non-tech background. There was a lot to catch up on. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. And I tried the help desk route, but around here they're paying like $12 an hour. I'm a grown up and I got a family. I can't take $12 an hour for a job, you know, mm -hmm. especially yeah. with the type of schedules some help desks keep. I'm like, I can't do that. I, you know, I'd pay more in childcare than I would actually, you know, make. So I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do about this? You know, I was already going to school for the computer information systems through the GI Bill. So I was like, okay. And I was worried at first. It was one of those, am I made for this? Can I get over this hurdle? Is anybody going to take me seriously? Um, yeah. My husband actually really helped a lot with that because he's been in IT for 20 years. And there's things I ask him about and would ask him about. And he's like, I don't know. I got to look that up. So I was like, okay, maybe it's one of those things, you know, and, and that also went along with networking because then mm -hmm. I could start asking senior people in the community. I'm like, what do you think of this, this, and this? Nobody had all the answers, you know, and they really got me to thinking, the whole community got me to thinking and realizing that nobody's going to have all the answers. Nobody, it's too big of a field, mm -hmm. you know? So that was yeah. another challenge. Um, and then realizing how big the field actually was, was another challenge and trying to narrow down what I wanted to do from there. 
you know, I, I did go in with the whole, I want to be a pen tester because the original job I wanted to do, I couldn't find anywhere because I think it's been automated since then. It's like going through like bank, originally I heard about it years ago. It was like going through bank transactions and seeing which ones are anomalies from the other ones to kind of detect for fraud. I think a lot of that's been automated because I couldn't find this job I'd heard about years ago. Uh, so... <laughs> I was like, okay, well, pen testing sounds fun. And I'm like, okay, it is cool, but there's more to it than that. And I think a hard part for me and what actually delayed a bit of my journey was getting too spread out. Instead of focusing in on mm -hmm. one subject, it's like, this is cool. I'm going to look at this. This is cool. I'm going to look at this, 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 this. And then you have 5 million classes you're signed up for on Udemy and all those other places. And you don't start any of them because you're so spread out. So yeah, getting into the industry, you know, those were some of my major challenges as mm. well as from a financial standpoint, um, you know, because I have some medical needs in my family, I couldn't just go out and buy the classes and buy the extra things, buy the certification attempts. I couldn't do it. And, you know, mm. for some people, you know, $400 for a certification attempt, and if you don't pass it, Oh, well, I, I couldn't afford to even chance that. Um, and it would be frustrating when I would be on LinkedIn and talking with people and you'd have CEOs in the space pop up and say, well, just go buy this. $300 isn't very much. It's like, it's not very much to you, but yeah, for me, that's a lot of money. <laughs> um, and I did go to a couple job interviews and they liked me, but they're like, well, you don't have a security plus. I'm like, yeah, I can't afford it. If you hire me, I can get it if you're willing to pay for it. But I I can't just go get it. <laughs> you know, um, so that was a that that was frustrating to me. That was one of the things that almost made me kind of say, I guess maybe I should go back to where I can make money, you know, the whole golden handcuffs thing. Um, you know, and, and that actually ended up being another hurdle. Because I think culturally with the whole procurement response, people like an employee who's going to be there long, long, long term. Um, and when people saw that I was obviously trying to transfer into another industry, I couldn't get a job. I went eight months without work because people would say like, oh, well, you're not ready for this job, but... Yeah you're going to pass on this job eventually. So, you know, yeah, they're worried about the, the, the time. Um, I mean, it's no surprise to organizations spending X amount of money on turnover. Hiring is costly, right. but also departures are costly. But I think, you know, Jess, if we like, if we take a step back, I mean, on your journey, I think the biggest thing that, um, is just powerful for our list, for our listeners and our viewers is that, there are so many avenues where you can take cybersecurity. And mm -hmm. depending on who you go to and who you speak to, they're going to give you different advice, different paths. And I think what you experienced firsthand was almost spreading, almost being a little too open-minded of like, yes. you know what? I'm <laughs> open to any and all opportunities and let me just see what sticks. Um, and you know, that, that approach may work for some. And I think what you realized was, um, hey, let me let me focus on this, and then 
I will let that kind of naturally morph and I'm going to ride mm -hmm. the wave and see what else comes out of this. So I want to kind of pivot, you know, you're a SOC analyst today. Um, yeah. SOC analyst is a very highly coveted role. I mean, this is something that Jackson and I get tons and tons of emails about and LinkedIn messages. I want to be a SOC analyst. What do I do? So honestly, I'm here to ask you the question, what does a SOC analyst do day to day? Let's demystify this position. Yeah. So I mean I think it's going to vary from from Absolutely. organization to organization. Yeah, um, day to day, I'm sure. <laughs> oh yeah, and for me working for an MSP slash MMS MSSP, however everybody has a different way they want to say it, um, versus a dedicated SOC. You know I don't have the dedicated SOC experience, but from my experience, we get the various alerts from different customers. We go through them and see what should and shouldn't belong there, you know, because there's a lot of false positives. There's a lot of alerts that you're like, okay, this is, we've seen this a million times. And when you investigate it, you're like, okay, it's, it's the same, but then you have to learn to be quicker at it and kind of go through and learn to recognize the ones that are different. Um, so there's that aspect of it. Uh, which is fun. I love it because this is close to what the original job is that I had anticipated. And I had no idea that would be that way. Originally, I was like, sock work, ew, you know, but then I got into sock work. I'm like, no, this is fun. This is a lot of fun. Um, it's working a lot with your team. A lot of open communication with your team is so important. Uh, you, I mean, I guess you could be somebody who kind of sits back and keeps yourself, but I don't think you're going to have a lot of success in the sock that way. Um, but yeah, it's, it's communicating, it's communicating with the customers. It's re it's being okay with reaching out to a customer at 3 a.m. and saying, hey, I'm seeing this. What do you think? Um, and say it in a way that doesn't panic them. Because <laughs> they're already getting a call at 3 a.m. They're going to be upset anyway. Uh, and then they're going to be worried. And if you go, oh, no, things are blowing up, they're, they're just going to panic. And you can't do that to anybody. You got you to gotta be calm and cool and collected about it, you know, and it's tuning systems. Um, I know for some socks, they'll, they'll tune the firewalls and, you know, we have a knock at our place, so they, they end up doing all that, but we end up doing like the, the EDRs and the XDRs and the, all the other multiple systems that, that we keep an eye on. And it's really getting those in a place where the, the, the alerts you're getting are valuable. And I love that. <laughs> I love that. So you hit on a couple of things like these organizations really like when they hear they have an incident, we won't, we, we won't dive into like incident versus breach, but they are, there are right, right. differences there, but they still like, they hear incidents. And I've been where I've been at an organization where they hear incident, but they hear breach. And then just, everybody's yes. just freaking out and, and it makes it hard when you're in an environment that's like that high stress level to really calm everybody down and kind of just figure out what happened, like what, and mitigate it as quickly as possible. So in right. your experience of being in this space, being a SOC analyst, working with these organizations, experiencing some of that, what in your opinion is some of the most, like maybe just one or two things that you've seen for the most common mistakes that organizations make when it comes to Oof. like cybersecurity in general? No, and um, we can go on forever about this topic. Oh my gosh, there's so many. <laughs> Gotta scratch the surface just a little bit. Okay, let's, 
I'll erase half my list here. Um, <laughs> I think some of the biggest mistakes are for one, having kind of a set it and forget it or uh, not preparing for security. Uh, if, if you're talking at the point where they're ready to get security. Um, because there is tuning that needs to be done. Otherwise, it's just going to be a bunch of noise and people are going to start ignoring it from alert fatigue. Um, I think that with that comes basic preparation, like like your Active Directory. You know, get that, get that straight. Make sure that your users have the right permissions and not too many permissions. Make sure they only have the permissions they need and get rid of those unused accounts. Um, that would go a long way. Um, not having any kind of incident response plan is a mistake. Because uh, when an actual incident hits, it is pure chaos. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so many organizations know, lack an incident response plan. Oh my gosh. And a recovery plan. It's yeah. And then it, do they it, test it? Yeah. I mean, we can yeah. <laughs> you know. not to throw a wrench into it, but are yeah. you even testing it? What is it? Is it good as it is? I mean, does right. it need reevaluation every so often? Yes. Yes. They so, created it five years ago and all yeah. the leadership that created it's gone except for two people. <laughs> yep. Yep. No one knows where it is, where it's stored. Right. Uh, you yeah. Know, and I know it's hard to keep to one or two, but I think from what I have seen once there is an incident is the political infighting that is present in an organization really comes out. Mm -hmm. And I think Good it's point. important for organizations to be more cohesive at their leadership levels. Um, if a CEO doesn't take security seriously, the people who want to impress the CEO are not going to take security seriously. Yep. If the CEO loves security, the people who want to impress the CEO are going to be like, yeah, security. Woo. And, um, tone at the top. Tone at the top. Yeah, sure. tone at the top. And sure. my biggest pet peeve <laughs> is not being aware of or no inventory of remote administration tools. Mm. <laughs> you gotta, oh my gosh, those things. They're they're necessary in this day and age, but please keep an eye on them. <laughs> yeah, 100%. absolutely. Um, those are some great tips. Jess, you have dropped some wonderful insights today. Um, I'm going to ask you if any of our listeners or viewers are hearing your story, they're either in um, a similar position that you were a while back, or they're just really excited about hearing more about SOC analysts, physicians, what you do, or just curious to pick your brain. Um, what would be the best way for them to reach you? Uh, LinkedIn all the way. I might be a little bit slow responding to messages sometimes because sometimes work just gets crazy and I don't want anything to do with computers after work. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll eventually respond. Um, <laughs> awesome. Fair enough. Well, thank you so much, Jess. It's been a pleasure having you. And for all of our listeners and viewers, you know, just a shameless plug, we are on YouTube now and whatever streaming platform that you are listening or viewing us on, please like subscribe. We will be dropping new content every other week. Looking forward to seeing you guys soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Two Cyber Chicks Podcast with Erica and Jax. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSBMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. 
If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Thank you.